0: Alright, so we are starting a new series today in the Psalms uh, called Drawing Near. And we are calling it Drawing Near uh, because we're looking specifically at Psalms of Ascent. Uh, A-S-C-E-N-T, ascent, like climbing, Psalms of Ascent. Um, they are this grouping of psalms that were prayed and sung as God's people journeyed to Jerusalem for worship. They were ascending to Jerusalem to worship. And Psalms of Ascent, they cover a whole variety of emotions and topics, all of which are still really useful to help us to draw near to God today. So we're going to look at Psalm 121 this afternoon. Um, and I wonder as you're turning there, if you can, if you can think about the what-ifs of your life right now. What are the what-ifs in your life? Uh, The things that cause low-grade anxiety because you worry about them potentially not turning out in the way that you want them to turn out. What are your what-ifs? Some examples. Oh, maybe it's job-related. What if I lose my job? Maybe things are a little bit, feel unstable at work, and you're legitimately concerned about losing your job. What if I lose my job? Uh, Maybe it's financial-related. Maybe um, you're nearing retirement and the market's crazy right now, and so you're thinking, what if I don't have enough saved for retirement? Uh, Maybe it's work-related. What if that new account doesn't come in at work? Uh, What if we don't have enough money to get through this month? And what if I lose my house because of that? What if I have to move? Maybe it's family-related. What if we can't get pregnant? Uh, What if our kids don't turn out the way that we always envision them turning out? Maybe it's just, what if I can't ever figure out parenting? You just feel stuck, and you just, what if I just can't figure it out? Uh, Maybe it's personal, what if my anger never gets any better? Uh, What if my health doesn't improve? What if I fail the test? Uh, What if I don't get into the school that I'm hoping to get into? Uh, What if I don't ever get married? What if I don't ever find a real friend? What if I never find my passion in life? So many what-ifs. We all have our what-ifs. I remember I was 18 years old, late December, I think it may have been uh, Christmas Eve, um, senior year of high school, I got a letter from the only college I wanted to go to, which was also the only college I applied to, saying I got waitlisted. And this instant rush of what ifs, of like, what if I don't go to that school? What if the next four years don't work out in the way that I thought they would? Um, What if I don't go to school anywhere? Uh, This psalm speaks into the what ifs of our lives. Let me read it for us. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 8, which is the whole thing. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. The Word of the Lord. Thank you. Father, we do thank You for Your Word. Thank You for speaking to us through it. And we ask You, Holy Spirit, that You would do that just now. If You don't uh, give us life and breath and understanding, we can't know You in this moment. And we really want to be transformed. We're a people who longs to be different, to be transformed, to be more like Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, would You do that as we sit under Your Word during this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so three headings this afternoon um, that I want to consider the psalm under. Uh, the first is this God's power is bigger than our what ifs. God's power is bigger than our what ifs. Secondly, God's care for our what ifs is nonstop. God's care for our what ifs is nonstop. Third, God is with us in the details of our what ifs. God, God is with us in the details of our what ifs. Note takers, that's a mouthful. I'll repeat them as we go. First, God's power is bigger than our what-ifs. You may have noticed that God's power is all over this psalm. The psalmist asks asks in verse 1, I look up to the hills, and where does my help come from? So, we don't know a lot of the context, but we know that He needs help. There's some kind of what-if that is unanswered, and He's unsure about the outcome. Um, And commentators are actually a bit torn about what the hills represent here. It may be that the hills offer, like, safety... In a hiding place, the hills are good. Um, or it could be that the hills represent this threat of the unknown, that they're bad. Uh, but regardless, the, the psalmist asks, from where does my help come? And so whether it's like the hills are this refuge of safety or this threat of something bad, he needs help. Verse 2, what's the answer? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So he's saying that his help comes from God who created all things. So this means that God is not just strong. He's not just powerful. But He's the strongest. He's the most powerful. He's the Creator. And He goes on, verse 3. says, He will not let your foot be moved. Uh, we, we all know this feeling, and it gets uh, maybe a little bit more unsettling the older we get. But you know that feeling of being out of control when you slip like on loose gravel, and you know you're going down? Or you're like on a hiking trail, you know you're about to fall? When you get to be an adult, that becomes like an out-of-body experience. Kids, this happens all the time. They don't even hardly notice. But you know that feeling of when your foot slips, you're going out of control. This is saying that God is so powerful that He will not let your foot be moved. He goes on, verse 4, it says, This is the God who keeps all Israel. That He um, is not just the God who has the power over like individuals here and there, but He actually has the power to hold entire nations together. Entire people groups together, all Israel, it says. He goes on, verse 5, God has the power to give you shade. Verse 6, this powerful God covers you from the sun and the moon. He's so powerful, He will protect you from all the elements of His creation. All right, so I was walking in Legacy Park this week, and uh, it was really hot. We had some really hot afternoons this week, and the sun was beating down. It was like kind of the, the moment you step out of your car, you're instantly sweating And if you've been to Legacy Park, you know that there are these massive trees. It was like beautifully planned. There are these massive sort of individual trees in the park, and there's a a park bench underneath each of the trees. And it was amazing that the moment you crossed from walking in the sun into the shade of that tree and sat down on the, the park bench, instantly it cooled like 10 to 15 degrees. You could feel the breeze. Suddenly it was enjoyable to be outside in the park once again. That's the kind of power that God has over us. That's how He protects us. It's like crossing over from blazing sun into cool shade. And then verse 7, He says, He will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. That's incredibly comprehensive. He's going to keep you from all evil. He's going to keep your life. This sounds similar to Psalm 23, which you might be familiar with. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort, comfort me. All right, think about the news lately. Think about life lately. There is so much evil in our world. Uh, you could just like scroll through the news of the last few weeks. There have been some, I've read some gut-wrenching news articles recounting some recent tragedies, where it almost makes you feel sick to your stomach about the amount of evil Uh, that is just prevalent in our world. We all feel this. And there are times when followers of Jesus are victims of that evil, where where God's people experience uh, the earthly effects uh, of tragedy, of life in this evil fallen world. And into that reality, the psalmist is not saying that we're not going to experience evil, or that we won't even necessarily fall victim to that evil. But he is saying That this evil has no ultimate power over us. That eternal life in the new heavens and the new earth is locked in and guaranteed. That God will keep us from all evil. And so even these evil tragedies that we read about will have no ultimate power over us. So he's more powerful than the what ifs that you can conjure up in your mind. Um, A few weeks ago, uh, I borrowed a riding lawnmower from my increasingly famous neighbor, Matt. This is maybe the third time I've talked about Matt. He's a bit of a celebrity, doesn't go to this church, but he does rescue me a lot. Um, this time my mower actually died, and so he offered me his riding lawnmower. And there, there, there are more than two types of people in the world, but there are some types of people who just like, know how to, op- how to operate a riding lawnmower. Like, they know like, what to do with the, the choke or the clutch or whatever those things are. I'm not one of those people who knows just how to like use a riding lawnmower. So he was, and he, and Matt knows this about me. And so he's like, so he tells me how to do it. he's like, okay, before I leave, I want to watch you start this thing just to make sure. And so I go back through and I, and I figure out how to do it. And he's like, okay, you're, you're good. I, I release you to go mow your grass. And so I finally get it. And I'm like, it goes up to five on the speed thing. I didn't go past two. You just got to, you know, these things are dangerous. And so, Um, I I get it in my yard though and and it was unbelievable like after I made the first turn and I seriously almost like clipped a tree trunk in the mailbox and um, I totally underestimated how powerful this thing was Uh, but it turned out to be amazing because it was obviously so much better than a push mower and it took like half the time but I had no idea how powerful this riding lawnmower was until finally he convinced me to use it. I want you to think about God's power. Do you feel like you have tapped in to God's power? Um, have you experienced it? Or does it feel like an abstract concept, like something that Christians uh, talk about and maybe claim, and maybe like maybe you feel even guilty about it? Because like you talk about it and pray for it, but you never like experience it. Like, what does that mean? It's so easy to underestimate. God's power. Um, We cognitively believe that God is powerful, yet functionally we we can live as though, like through our worry and our doing, we we are like the only way to make sure the right thing happens. Again, think about your what-ifs. Our what-ifs lead to so much worry, so much anxiety, and ultimately to expending all kinds of energy to try to control outcomes in our lives. Um, and then like, prevent the what-ifs from happening at all. And so we end up living as though we have the power and as though we have control, and God doesn't. And that's exhausting. That's not the way we were meant to live. It leads to all kinds of worry and anxiety to try to live that way. And that's why when we try to take those matters into our own hands, try to take power into our own hands, enough is never enough, whatever way we're trying to do that. Um, There's no sum of money that can really give us peace. It's just, it's unending. You always need a little more to feel secure. Um, There are simply no guarantees about our health in this life. Um, No matter how much like intermittent fasting we do or like vegan dieting or cardio workouts, there are just no guarantees about our health. And into this, God invites us to embrace the fact that he has the power and we don't. Uh, What a gift to be able to surrender that job back to God, to let Him be the powerful one, uh, to let Him write the story, to let Him control things, and for us just to embrace the gift of being human with God-given limitations. So what are your what-ifs? God's power is bigger than all of them. Second heading. God's care for our what-ifs is nonstop. Um, there are some really interesting conversations happening right now around areas of sleep and productivity. Um, if you're like in the podcasts at all, so many popular podcasts will, will address these issues either through interviews or topics or, or some form, sleep and productivity. For our sleep, um, these conversations have changed so much in the last maybe 10 or so years. It used to be like the ultimate humble brag to talk about how little sleep you need in order to, to function and do your job, Right. Like, you, you would humble brag about being able to go to bed at midnight and wake up at four and sort of be like superhuman, super leader status. Okay, now it's gone in the other direction. And now the humble brag is for leaders to talk about getting 12 hours of sleep at night. About, so they'll talk about how much they're sleeping. It's this turn, in, in the, it feels like in the right direction. Why? Like, all the data's coming out that we need lots of sleep. And we perform way better with it. You're like, yeah, actually, that's true. The same is true with work productivity. So again, like... You know, the 80 hour work week was like it, the grind was celebrated, exalted as a way forward. That if you want to be someone in your industry, work more than anyone else, literally work all the time if you can. Um, and some industries still function that way. But the tide is turning big time around ideas of po- productivity. Now it's all about slowing down, doing less, but doing it better, uh, focusing on the few main things of your job. Um, so it's like less focus on hours, but more focus on quality of output. So it would, these trends seem generally positive, right? It seems like we're embracing our humanity. We're living into limitations. We're seeing that life actually works better that way. Okay, great. So we're human. We need lots of sleep, probably way more than we get. And we, especially Americans, need to like chill out in the whole workaholism thing. That is not really uh, getting us where we need to go. We have limitations. Limitations are good because God gave them to us. Okay, what about God? Look at verse 3. He doesn't slumber. Look at verse 4. He doesn't sleep. Uh, In our 24-hour-a-day concept of time, God does not stop caring for us. Uh, We clock in and clock out of our jobs. We go to sleep at night. He never stops protecting us. There is not a second in your day when God is not caring for you. Uh, Think about your phone. Does your phone ever distract you from important things? Uh, Like parenting as a random hypothetical example. Parents, has your phone ever distracted you from parenting your children? my, My kids have literally said, Dad, is your phone distracting you right now from parenting um, or if you've ever been at lunch with someone and uh, mid-sentence either you or the other person sort of like brings up the phone, like the wall of like cutting off the conversation, or I guess now it's the watch. Um, and, and the conversation totally steers off course. We get distracted all the time. God never gets distracted from His care for you. He never loses focus on you. Um, he knows your what-ifs. And He does not stop loving you and caring for you in the midst of them. Uh, A few years ago, um, Erin wasn't feeling well. It was in the middle of the night and we didn't have the medicine she needed. It was super minor, but it was like she just needed some kind of medicine. And so um, it was like, uh, it was 1 a.m. I think, and um, I went to the 24-hour Walgreens over by the hospital. And maybe the experience is, anytime you go from totally asleep um, to like, waking up and then like five minutes later you're in your car driving somewhere and then you walk in to like a 24-hour place where people are working the night shift and there's like this whole world that's happening and it feels like you landed on another planet because you were asleep and that's what people are supposed to do at night they're supposed to be asleep but actually the people at Walgreens work all night and there's like this whole other life that's happening um while we are sleeping God is working He's always caring for us. He doesn't sleep. He's caring for you every breath in, every breath out while you rest. Do you know what this means? It means you can sleep. Like actually sleep. Um, Even in the midst of the very real what-ifs that you are facing right now, you can sleep. Uh, Write down, if you're taking notes, Psalm 4, verse 8. Psalm 4, verse 8. It's one of my favorite verses to pray before I go to bed. It says this, In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Kids, if you struggle falling asleep at night, lots of kids struggle to fall asleep at night. Maybe you get anxious or worried. Uh, you could even write out that verse, Psalm 4, verse 8. Put it on a note card, read through it. As you go to bed, pray through it at night to remember that God's protecting you so you really can sleep. God's care for your what-ifs is non-stop. All right, last encouragement for you from this psalm. Third heading. God is with us in the details of our what-ifs. Look at verse 8 in our passage. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Okay, remember, this psalm of ascent, it was prayed and sung en route to worship Uh, in Jerusalem. And so this going out and coming in, it could be referring to God's protecting and keeping throughout the journey. Um, It could also be referring to the going out and coming in of one's home just throughout the day, just very mundane details of life. And so I want you to think about your typical day. This is where real life happens. This is where real transformation in Jesus happens in our normal kind of mundane days. So think about a typical day. Um, Maybe you get out first thing in the morning for a walk or for a run or something like that. If you have kids, you load them up in the car, you take them to daycare, you take them to school. Maybe you're off to work or maybe you meet someone for coffee. Maybe you're back to the house for a bit, back out to run some errands later in the day. Uh, Maybe soccer practice at the end of the day. Maybe a quick run to Publix to grab an ingredient for dinner. Just a normal sort of mundane, kind of sometimes boring daily life, right? Some version of that. All right, God is at work in every single one of those details in that mundane day. I want you to zoom in. Let's zoom in uh, on maybe running errands in the afternoon. Let's say you're going to the dry cleaners. If that's still a thing that people do. I don't really go to the dry cleaners, but some of you may go to the dry cleaners. Let's say you're going to the dry cleaners. You hop in the car, you're heading to the dry cleaners, you turn the radio on, you turn your podcast on, and instantly, without even realizing it, your mind shifts to all those what-ifs. The, the, the tape starts playing of all the what ifs, finances, children, job, friendships, family, relationship status, the what ifs are scrolling. And you end up running this errand almost completely on autopilot because you are so locked into your what ifs. Um, do you know that God is with you in that distracted afternoon errand? Whether you feel it or not, whether you realize it or not, that He keeps your going out and your coming in, even while you are sidetracked going to the dry cleaners, obsessing over those what-ifs. I wonder what it would look like to remember that in the moment. Maybe the change of course in that moment is to, to catch yourself drifting into this worrisome obsession of the, of the what-if of the day and to just quickly say to God just to breathe for a moment and say, God, you are here. God, you are here with me in this moment. You're keeping me right now. You're with me on this trip to the dry cleaners. You care about this thing that I'm really worried about. He is with you in the details of your what ifs. All right, so I know I make a lot of what may sound like anti-phone comments from up front. I'm not totally anti-phone. They're super helpful. They're so convenient. One example... This is a little bit crazy. Anytime I'm in the general vicinity of the Canehalter YMCA or the Verde YMCA, my phone is loaded on my uh, my card. My membership card is loaded on my phone. So anytime I'm in the general area, my membership card for the YMCA sort of like creepily and conveniently pops up on my phone, suggesting that I tap it and scan the membership card and go into the Y. Um, It's as though it was reading my mind, and it knows, oh, you are in the YMCA parking lot. You're going to need your card in a moment. We'll handle that for you. Here you go. It's exactly what you need right when you need it. See, phones are pretty great. Um, So much of the worry that drives our what-ifs is a worry that we don't have what we need when we need it. Or there will be a future point where we're going to need something and we're not going to have it. That drives so much of our what-ifs, that there's something missing from the occasion right now that would fix things. Maybe it's like more obedient children, or more money, or a spouse, or a different job. Um, The what-if often comes from feeling like we don't have what we need when we need it. But into that worry, the psalmist says that God knows exactly what we need right when we need it. That he is at work in the details. He is now and he will be in the future. It says from this time forth and forevermore. God's power is bigger than our what ifs. God's care for our what ifs is nonstop, And God is with us in the details of our what ifs. Do you know what this means? It means that God's got us. God's got us. That's the whole point of this psalm. God's got you. And you can be confident in that no matter what. You're not the exception. Um, Your situation is not the outlier. You've not disqualified yourself from God's care. God's got you. And God is telling us that in this psalm. But he also showed it to us through his son Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection. Jesus went to the cross, was despised and forsaken, so that we would never be despised and forsaken, and that God would keep us for all eternity The word keep is all over this psalm. Jesus guaranteed by his resurrection that God will keep us for all eternity, that he has got us. Two invitations as we finish today. Two invitations. The first invitation is this. The first invitation is to practice crying out to God in the midst of your what-ifs. To practice crying out to him. In the midst of your what ifs. You're not alone in your worry. You can be confident that God's got you. So what would it look like to offer a small prayer in those moments? God, you're with me right now. You've got me. I surrender all these what ifs to you. And maybe you write something on a note card and, and keep it in your car with you. That's the first invitation. Practice crying out to God in the midst of your what ifs. Second invitation is to those who are here today and maybe wouldn't consider yourself a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're here because a friend invited you. Uh, maybe you're here because you're dipping toe, your toe in the water of a new church. Maybe you're here because you're a kid and your parents made you come today. But somehow you feel God's stirring in you. If that's you, there is an invitation to follow Jesus today. To entrust yourself to Him. To surrender everything to Him. To make Him the most central part of your life. And I would love to talk with you after our worship service if that's where you're at today. Those are the two invitations. Let me close this in prayer. Father, thank You that You've got us. You really do. And uh, no matter how many times we hear that, we need to be reminded again and again. And so, Father, I lift up our what-ifs this afternoon. Uh, those very real things that we are facing where we don't know the outcome and we feel ill-equipped to to, to handle them. We don't know what to do. We don't know if we're going to be able to figure it out or fix it or solve it. We lift it up to You with open hands and we ask You for Holy Spirit-given confidence that You've got us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.